What's the purpose of the council? It's good to know this, too, because why is it good to know this? Because the whole idea of the liturgical reform fits into the general purpose of the council. See, the liturgical form is one of the means by which the council is to carry out its end. So what's the purpose of the council? What are the, the, the yeah? Well, one thing be modernize the church. Modernize, aggiornamento, all right. The bringing up, the modernizing, exactly the, the exact words they use there are these. To adapt more suitably to the needs of our own time those institutions which are subject to change. See, what are the, what are there a couple of others? What's another one? Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I think, uh, too, it's just a matter of making the whole idea of the church more clear, not only yeah. to outsiders, but just to the members, in other words, to yeah. get it out of obscurity. Yeah, well, of course, that comes to, that's, that's in the chapter on the church there. But what it means here is increasing what the way they put it in a more general form is the renewal of Christian life, increasing vigor of Christian life, see. And then the third aim is who remembers, who can think, who knows. What was the thing that they first said it was going to be all about? Yeah, yeah unity. See, so your three aims that they give here are renewal of the vigor of Christian life, uh, adaptation of institutions that can be changed. Because all through here you've got this distinction between institutions that can be changed and things that are essential that can't be changed. This always comes up. I mean, this is St. Bernard and Peter the Venerable. We're working on this principle. And then the third one is to foster whatever can promote unity among all those who believe in Christ. So now... These are the three aims of the council, and the renewal of the liturgy is in view of these three aims. See, the liturgical renewal is to help bring about these things, and within the context of these three things. So it said, you heard it yesterday. This sacred council has several aims in view. It desires to impart an ever-increasing vigor to the Christian life of the faithful. See, not just Christian life in the abstract, but Christian life of you and me. See, the purpose of this council is that we should have a better Christian life. To adapt more suitably to the needs of our own times those institutions which are subject to change, and to foster whatever can promote union among all who believe in Christ. Well, here's another thing, too. And to strengthen, of course, this is, this is uh, outside of the church. To strengthen whatever can help to call the whole of mankind into the household of the church. The Council, therefore, seeks cogent regents for undertake, reasons for undertaking the reform and promotion of the liturgy. See, because it looks for this thing, therefore, it reforms the liturgy. Well, now, obviously, if the reform of the liturgy is going to be something that's going to make a Muslim interested in the church, it's got to be a pretty big reform. See, You're not going to do it by putting the candles here instead of there and by uh, changing the, you know, having a different kind of a chasuble at a different moment or something like that. This is going to be, a, has to be a real deep thing. It's going to be a big reform if, it, if they do it, which I think they will. So now, your chapter has got three divisions, three sections. And your first section deals with your general principles on the, on the nature of the liturgy. And of course, this is tremendous. This is the most important part on the liturgy, because here you get your theology. I'm not going to take that today. I'll take it maybe Wednesday when the, when the brothers are all here. Because if you get this theology of the liturgy, which you, I mean, this, there's nothing new in this except that it's very well stated. This is the same thing that you've been getting in Mediator Dei and other places like that, but it's very well stated, very clear, and very deep, and, and the whole thing is, I mean, it's sewed up in the bag now. There's, there's nothing, you can, uh, nothing left to ask about it from this. And then your second section is practical norms. That's what I'm going to take just for a few minutes. Practical norms on the instruction 
that has to be given. The, the, the liturgical instruction, especially of the clergy, see, and especially of clergy and religious and faithful. So those are the ones I'm going to do for the next 15 minutes. We've got 15 minutes left, I guess. And then the third section is practical norms for liturgical reform. See, Now these are, as I say, these norms for liturgical reform are not saying uh, at the operatory you will do this instead of that and so forth. It's just the norms of how it's going to work. See, who's, who's in charge, who has authority, who does what. See, So, all right, today we're dealing then with this question of instruction. See, the instruction of the clergy especially. In other words, education. And especially education with a view to greater active participation. Because you see, the central thing, let me read the little section here. 